Greetings, book lovers everywhere. I'm E-Train and welcome to E-Train Talks. And today, I am absolutely, positively thrilled because I'm interviewing the one, the only, Martha Jocelyn, the master of mystery, the Canadian award-winning middle grade author and of such that no words can describe just how amazing, incredible, Every word that means awesome in the dictionary. Her Aggie Morton books and all of her books, mind blown. They are the best. About a year ago, I met the master of mystery, Martha Jocelyn, at a virtual book club where we discussed one of my all-time favorite mystery novels, Aggie Morton, Mystery Queen, The Body Under the Piano. And from then on, She's been a huge supporter of my book journey, and I've been a huge, huge fan of hers. And through her wonderful website, BookFlap, run by Kathy Kaser, Teresa Toten, Vicki Grant, and of course, Martha, Martha introduced me to the amazing world of a Canadian kidlet. She's a literacy advocate and incredible writer, having written over 40 books, from board books to children's reads to young adults. Martha's writing touches so many. And I'm beyond grateful you took the time to join me today on E-Train Talks, Martha. I don't know what to say because the pressure is now on. You've made me sound like a goddess, but <laughs> thank you. I, it's such an honor to be here with you on your, on your, what, what is it? Is it podcast, your, YouTube, podcast, channel, literacy advocate, queen, wizard of words, oh, yay, E-Train. Thank you. And this, no pressure at all. Like, I'm just, I'm the one who should be nervous right now. And I am. And everybody, you need to read the Aggie Morton books. That's all I've got to say. And you also must learn more about Martha. Because when I found out these facts, I was shocked. So I read that you worked many different jobs before becoming a middle grade author, including a cookie seller, a waitress, a sailor, a toy designer, and many, many more. You really are a jack of all trades. And I'm curious to know, did your many unique experiences influence your writing at all? Hmm. Here's the thing. Every single hour of the day, you are learning something, right? Mm -hmm. Whoever you meet, wherever you go, whatever you look at. And so for a writer, even a writer who's your age and doesn't even know he's going to be a full-time writer yet, you are doing research before you even know what you're doing research for. So it's really all my books have been have been gathered through a life of reading, of course, but also looking at the world and eavesdropping and, you know, watching my mother park a car. And what does tasting something for the first time feel like? And when that mean kid at school says something, what do you say back? And just every single little thing, what does it feel like to be on a boat? What does it feel like to smell the ocean? You're collecting it all. And that's what informs my writing is just what I see and hear in the world. That's an amazing answer, I've got to say. And you are so, so right. Everything that we see in the world, it really influences like not just our writing, but also us in general. So that's a perfect answer. And my next question 
<laughs> is about the Aggie Morton books. Now, everybody, I'm serious. These are some of the best mystery middle grade books of all time. Inspired by the life of young Agatha Christie. When I read Aggie Morton, Mystery Queen, The Body Under the Piano for the first time, I cannot describe that feeling I felt when I was reading it. I was so into the book. I was, I did not want to put it down at all. And I'm really curious to know, what are some of the differences between young Agatha Christie and your main protagonist, Aggie Morton? Aha, uh -huh. well, I did, I mean, for for viewers who don't know who Agatha Christie is, she was, she is, she was an author of dozens and dozens of novels, hundreds of stories. She invented one of the most famous uh, detectives of all time named Hercule Poirot. And she lived a long time ago. She was born in the 18, in 1890. So um, she, is absolutely the inspiration for my book because what I wondered about, I was a big fan of Agatha Christie from about your age on. And it when it came time for me to write, I had never written a mystery before, so I wanted to try it. And I thought, what about Agatha Christie as a girl detective? Because she, of anyone else in the world, knows how to murder people and so <laughs> I mean what kind of little kid grows up to figure out how to murder over 300 people because it's somewhere in that range so that's what made me start thinking about creating Aggie and I did do a lot of overlapping of Aggie Aggie's life with the real Agatha Christie they both they're both 11 well Aggie is 11 in this in the or just turned 12 in the beginning of the book. Her father died when she was 11, and that's true of Agatha Christie. They both have a dog named Tony. They both have a sister. Um, the real Agatha actually had a brother as well, but I left him out. Sorry, Monty. Um, they both had a grandmother who was very influential, as you know. Granny Jane in the Aggie Morton books is you know, a big part of the detective team. And I just, I read Agatha Christie's books over and over and I read her autobiography and I just kept, you know, stealing little bits um, so that I could give them to my person, to my main character. And the one thing that is very different is that the real Agatha Christie never stumbled across four bodies in one year. So, um, so that's, that's the main, the main thing. Well, I don't know any kid who stumbled upon four <laughs> dead bodies over the course of a year, and who better than young Agatha Christie? And I think that what you said about, like, how do you write for about 400 deaths um, in books if you've never really experienced that kind of, you know, like, death, bodies under pianos? <laughs> and I think that you the Aggie Morton books, they could most certainly tie and they could definitely be like in the multiverse of all that stuff. It could be like Aggie Morton might be Agatha Christie in some of those universes. They, they're so alike, but there are some differences that really stand out. And Aggie Morton, I mean, she is just awesome. Like, <laughs> Thank and, you. 
Thank you. It's You're the Alex. best kind of reader. Thank you. <laughs> so, I mean, aside from the wondering what kind of little kid would, or young woman would conceive of all those murders, I also wanted to, to have a sort of meta level for and make her fictional, her famous fictional characters, Hercule Poirot and Miss Marple, appear in the book, have Hercule Poirot become Hector Poirot, her best friend from Belgium in the stories, and, and to make them the same age and to have them buddies so that so that you could sort of imagine that if she, if Agatha Christie had had a friend like this when she was 12 years old, that she would have based her famous character on him eventually, right? So that there's all these layers that I that I like to to play with. And that's why I love your books. Uh, books need depth, especially mystery, middle grade, all all the genres and aspects packed into your stories. You need depth, like if it. I like to think of it, well, I heard this on a video once, and I kind of find it interesting. There are a lot of characters in books that don't sell well, and, like, they're just, like, a lot of kids don't like them because they have about as much depth of a, as a ha cheese sandwich. <laughs> but your books, they're like a double, triple, quadruple Decker cheese sandwich. So much depth and so much mystery. And speaking of mystery, dead bodies, suspects, all that kind of stuff, in the beginning of all of your Aggie Morton books, there are illustrations of all the possible suspects of the murder, as well as, you know, the characters. So I'm curious to know, do you have much of a say when it comes to the art, or is your brilliant illustrator, Isabel Folath, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Yes, um, you are. Oh, wow. Um <laughs> <laughs> is or does she kind of come up with the magic and you're like whoa well first of all she is brilliant mm -hmm. and second of all she comes up with a great deal of the magic but by the time Isabel meets my characters I have been living with them for all already probably a year so I kind of know them best and often when I'm doing when I'm working on a book I will find a photograph in a thrift store or or um, even one of my own relatives and I will think, oh, that looks like so-and-so or that's, that's the, you know, that could be the minister or that could be the doctor or I think this guy is the cook. <laughs> and so I save all those. I do, I do have actually, I, brought this to show you today this is a picture of the young Agatha Christie wow so this is a picture of her when she's about the same age as Aggie Morton and that's that was so that hair that you can see in this photograph is very much what Isabel used to make the hair on Aggie Morton but so I saved those pictures and also of objects because not just the portrait gallery of suspicious characters but the top of every single chapter has something that pertains to what happens in that chapter. So, you know, a, a wheelchair from from 1902 or just a shattered teacup or a horse and carriage or whatever it is, I have already done a lot of research in gathering those historical um, details. So I give her all that stuff and some of it she uses and some of it she doesn't. 
And, and then when she has done all her roughs for the characters, she sends them to me and to the editors. And we have a look and we often have tiny little changes. Like, I think he should, you know, his eyes could be a little bit squintier or, you know, shouldn't she be wearing a high collar or, you know, very small things. And then Isabel does the finished pictures and they're always just, I, the day that those pictures arrive, in my computer, I just, I'm so happy. And they make me smile for days. So I love the portrait gallery of highly suspicious characters. <laughs> I love that name. That That's, a, that's very perfect for <laughs> all the characters featured in the, in the photographs. And so you, you were talking about research and you've certainly done a lot of that. You've been writing books for decades. And you've written over 40 of them. I haven't even written. Uh, wait, time out, time out. Mm -hmm. um, the Seaside Corpse is my 50th book. Oh. <laughs> Just so you know. Okay. <laughs> I'll have to fix that. Um, no, no, that's okay. I mean, it is over 40, but I'm yeah. just saying it's 50. Okay. <laughs> I did not know that that's halfway to 100. <sighs> I hadn't thought of it that way, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now once the seaside corpse comes out that will be martha jocelyn's 50th book published wow what a milestone everybody round of applause thank you thank you thank you and speaking of the seaside corpse we're all really curious to know as it comes out in november and it's unfortunately the final book but after reading it it's the best one <laughs> i'm sure we all want to know what can you share about Aggie Morton, Mystery Queen, The Seaside Corpse? Okay, Aggie and Hector, this is the summer of 1903, and Aggie and Hector have been invited to join a young scientist's league as part of an excavation of an enormous ichthyosaur skeleton. Um, on the stone ledges near Lyme Regis, which is in Dorset in, in England. And they've never slept in a tent before. The food is terrible. They are far from home. Um, the husband and wife team of paleontologists who are running the camp, they're always bickering. They're very unhappy. They disagree about what should happen to the ichthyosaur skeleton once it has been excavated. And they have to choose between, there's a rich American collector and his son who are visiting. There's a um, rich, sorry, rich American collector, a charismatic circus man who's also the strong man. And he wants the skeleton for his sideshow. And there's also a British museum that is waiting in the wings. So lots of greedy people are after this treasure. And then one morning, Aggie and Hector stumble across a human corpse on the beach when the tide is low. Ooh. And everyone is a suspect. And that's the teaser. Oh, now I want to read it again. <laughs> hanger. Uh, well, it's not It's not particularly unusual. I can't believe I'm saying this, but for two kids to find a dead body, 
four times in a year, especially <laughs> Aggie and Hector. And so I guess they're digging up more than just a dinosaur. They're digging up corpses, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the perfect scene for the story. And you really set the stage. I want to read Aggie Morton, the Seaside Corpse again. And now I think everyone is dying and can't wait for November when Aggie Morton, Mystery Queen, the Seaside Corpse, is out. I know that a lot of people here pre-ordered their copy. And if you haven't, you really should. Now's the time. Now's the time. Yep. And so Aggie Morton, Mystery Queen, all the books, they're truly fascinating and all-around thrilling mysteries. Very mysterious. One of the aspects I enjoyed the most about the story was Aggie's curious personality and how she sees a story and everything. So besides, of course, Agatha Christie, who's, wow, amazing, was there someone else who inspired Aggie's personality, like bits and pieces? I would say, I mean, this is connected to the first sent, uh, the first question you even asked me, which is, what, you know, what about your life has influenced your books? Well, I would say that there's probably quite a bit of me in Aggie Morton. I'm, I'm very shy. And that has, I'm less shy now, but I certainly as a kid was quite shy. And that meant that I was sitting back a lot and listening and watching, definitely eavesdropping, instead of saying things. And it meant that I was, I was, I spent a lot of time with my own imagination. So, so I wasn't quite as bloodthirsty as Aggie Morton, but I sometimes would, imagine terrible things happening to people even strangers I mean not terrible not actual you know having not being decapitated or have you know the various things that Aggie does have brief fantasies about but you know tripping and falling or or you know dropping a tray of glasses or something like that so um I would say Aggie is a lot like me in many ways but she's also like so many writers that I know and for the same reason just seeing a story in in almost any moment and um and that's that's my answer <laughs> well I can certainly tell that there's a lot of Aggie Morton in you because you dived into or dove or that's always confusing me I'm into a lot anyway you've tried out a lot of things like i i never even try foods because i'm a super picky eater but you try so many jobs and i can really tell that you have that kind of curious as well as adventurous personality that aggie possesses as well as the, seeing a story and everything you are an, you're an author published author of 50 books now <laughs> and i also i feel like when authors have themselves in their characters, that just makes it a whole lot more interesting. Because if you have some character that's nothing like the author, it's not relatable. Because in order to have relatability, like the person who's actually creating those characters has to relate to it. Like 
they don't, if the person writing it can't relate, it has nothing. <laughs> well, I'm rambling anyway. You're not rambling, but uh, it makes me curious about your own writing. Do you find yourself putting, when you're writing a story, you make your own main character has pieces of you in it, right? Sometimes they have the worst pieces of me in them. Well, that's very brave of you to put them out there. So that's, I mean, that's true for me too with with my characters because and because you can disguise the worst pieces of you mm-hmm. <laughs> in a character and not admit that it's you, but you just <laughs> yeah. did it. <laughs> yeah, like so. no one needs to know. It's just this <laughs> character who's nothing like me. That's oh, right. No. <laughs> it's imagine it's fictional. Yeah. I think that everyone wants to know a little bit about book flap because I posted about it a little bit as well. And also I'm sure everyone's seen it all over the Canadian book world. There's mini master classes, book reviews from kids, all this wonderful writing stuff. And it's really what got me into the writing community as well. So book flap shares wisdom and tips to the writing community. And it's an incredible resource of information So I'm curious, because I don't really know this, and I'm sure everyone else is, how did Book Flap come to be, and why did you create it in the first place? Well, you certainly gave it a good pitch, so I'll skip all that part. But um, the four of us, Teresa Toten, Kathy Kaser, Vicki Grant, and myself, we were all contributors to a series of books called Secrets. And Secrets was published by Orca Books, and it's a set of seven books, each by a different author, but with the same premise, so that it's about, the books all begin with a fire in an orphanage, and the orphans escape, seven orphans escape in different directions oh, yeah. and each have their own story but so there's some cross crossover between the between the characters and the books in fact some of the characters from one book will appear Kathy and I for instance have this have each other's characters in our book we have an identical scene but mine is from my character's point of view and hers is from her character's point of view that sort of crossover so it's fun to read the whole series But we got to be good friends when we were writing that series and then touring it. We went on a tour um, together and and we drove around, you know, to many, many bookstores and signed books and then hung out together and in between. So so we got to be good friends. And when the pandemic came along, we took advantage of this this new technology called Zoom and we started to meet each other and have and just have you know, catch up time. And little by little, we thought, huh, this is, this pandemic's going to go on longer than we realized. Maybe we should do something. Maybe, you know, we have a lot of shared wisdom here. Between us, we have a hundred books published and we have a lot of teaching experience and a lot of, a lot of time spent thinking about writer's craft and, and all that stuff. So that's what made us, we started to brainstorm and we thought we'll make a website and we'll offer all these different things to the community, to our fellow writers, to students of writing, to teachers of writing. And that's how it started. So there it is. So I thought it was not .ca. Bookflap.ca. Yeah. <laughs> not .com everyone, .ca. 
Yeah, exactly. dramatically. And I thought I was mad about the pandemic. No, I'm happy about it because that gave us book flap. <laughs> and a lot of brilliant novels by Martha, Kathy, all of the members of book flap. And you should all really check it out. The link is in the description. It's an incredible place where you can learn a lot and hear from some of your favorite authors like Eric Walters, of course, Martha Jocelyn, Kathy Kaser, Teresa Toten, Vicki Grant, all of them. And they have some Gordon Corman. Yes, Gordon Corman. <laughs> your favorite Gordon Corman. And everybody, we have a remarkable book reviewer in our kids' corner, our sixth grade correspondent, E Train Talks himself. <laughs> yeah, you check it out. You won't regret check it. Check it out. And now I also found out that you're a collector. I'm a collector. You collect buttons, scissors, ribbons, and other stuff. And I found this pretty interesting, and I was kind of intrigued. I was really intrigued, actually. Especially the scissors, as your name on social media is at Scissor House. So can you mm -hmm. share how and when your collection of scissors and all your other things started? Um, I am a collector. I actually live in a house now that was my grandmother's house. So this house oh. has been in my family for almost 120 years. So there's a lot of old stuff in this house. Um, and so that's, that's not relevant to the scissors, but it's relevant to the toys and the books and the other things that I, that I collect. The scissors, as you said in your introduction, I was a toy designer and um, I realized when I was mastering the craft of making toys, because most of them were sewn toys, not not board games or, mm -hmm. or plastic toys, um, that different scissors did different jobs. And it was very important to have the right cutting blade for the right for the right thing. So I started to collect them as a, you know, as a practical tool, like every every artisan needs a number of tools. And so scissors were my tools. So I have some that are teeny tiny. I have some very big shears. I have zigzag. I have scallop. I have all kinds of scissors. And so little by little, people would think, oh, look at these cool scissors. They have these weird handles or this one comes in a special leather case. Or So I would get, start getting gifts for scissors and I would start that's how the collection began. I just now have scissors in every single room of my house. Moving on to other books that you've written, which have been many. I mean, you have written 50 books. I gotta keep saying that. That's just so cool. 50 books. Wow. So what would you say the most challenging story was for you to write? And if different, what was your most ch cherished? And what is your most cherished and why? Okay, I was very thankful that you gave me a heads up on this particular question, because with 50 books to choose from, it took some thinking. But um, the book that was the most challenging, I realized, is actually this one. I'm going to show you the cover, and it's oh, called I saw that Sam one. Sorts. Sam Sorts is a picture book. And what was so challenging about this one, Sam, Sam is a little boy who's tidying up his room, and he sorts his hundred possessions into different categories while he's while he's tidying. And what was so hard about it is that I had to figure out the math 
it took me about six months to figure out the math so that it would be completely flawless. And because he, you know, say, say you're looking at his toy, uh, toy penguin. Well, his penguin is black and white. So does it go with the black and white things or does it go with the animals or does it go in the category of things with wings that don't fly? <laughs> because there are things with wings that don't fly and there, there are things like superheroes with no wings who do fly. So there are many, many categories as poor Sam is trying to tidy his room and as poor author is trying to figure <laughs> out how to sort everything as well. So that was a very challenging book for me. And my most cherished, it's really hard to answer that question, but I think if, you know, forced at mic point by E-Train <laughs> Talks, Sorry. I would say that... <laughs> um, Probably my first book is very warm, holds a warm place in my heart because it's called The Invisible Day and I didn't publish it until I was 40 years old, but, um, and it's, a, it's out of print now, but it's about to be back in print, digital print and print on demand. So I think the date is supposed to be December 9th that the Invisible Day will be available again to the world with new illustrations by Emma Chadwick. And uh, it's actually the first of a trilogy. So there are three books and all three will be coming out in the, hopefully in the month of December. So it's, it's about a girl in Central Park who finds a makeup kit mm -hmm. and she, or she finds a makeup kit in Central Park and the makeup inside, the powder inside turns her invisible. And so she has a chance to have adventures without being in danger because no one can see her. So that's that's the quick pitch on the invisible day. And and I wrote it when I when my kids were really young. And I remember vividly the day that I received news that it had been accepted and burst into tears. I was so happy. I just never believed it would happen. And my daughters just stared at me in horror. One of them was, I guess, 10 and the other was seven. And they were like, mom, what's the matter? And I said, no, these are happy tears. So <laughs> that's, that's the book that I, that I cherish my very first one. And that was 25 years ago. So 50 books in 25 years. Was there someone who inspired you to pursue writing a parent, teacher, author, or role model? Um, I started writing so late as a, as a serious writer because I did have all those jobs. And because I was a mother, I was raising two daughters in New York City. And I was a, had my own toy design company for many, many years. So it wasn't really till my kids were uh, born and reading books themselves or looking at books at least that I started to think, huh, maybe I could make a book. And so that's when I started. So I was way past teachers or parents. I was a parent myself. And so I have to say that my mentor was probably the library <laughs> and the librarian at the school that my kids went to and just 
people who knew more about books than I did. And that's, I started going to conferences and taking workshops and just read, read, reading all the time. So that's how I learned how to write. And now I have to ask, do you have any new books in the works? And if so, what can you share? Yeah. I'm working <laughs> I'm working on a couple of things. I'm working on a teen novel, which Ooh. is um, has got a sort of a me too theme to it. Mm -hmm. so it's it's not entirely nice. <laughs> and I'm also working on a picture book idea about a snake that gets lost in the house. Oh, I like and that. And that, that was inspired by, by my cousin who's, who had a snake, a pet snake, and the snake got out of the tank and disappeared for four months in her house. Wait, how did she, how did your cousin find it? It just showed up one day. <laughs> wow. <laughs> after, after a great deal of looking, <laughs> it just showed up one day. So that, that gave me the idea. It survived? Yes. Wow. wow, snakes really are persevering. That, that, that's a great animal to write about. I cannot wait for your picture book. And I'm wondering, so I'm I'm turning 12 at the end of this year. Will I be a teen when your teen book is out? Yes. Okay. You will. I'll be right in the age group. That's good. <laughs> in honor of October being the month of ghosts, goblins, and ghouls, I'm asking everyone I interview... What is your favorite middle grade spooky read? Favorite is really hard to come up with, but I thought and thought about this question and I, I'm going to put forth two things. Mm -hmm. One is Dust by Arthur Slade, and that's a Canadian book. And so you might not have heard of it. And that's a very creepy, creepy book. And the other is um, actually, I think it's a trilogy. It might be a quartet by Richard Peck called, it's the Blossom Culp stories. And Blossom Culp, it, it's, is, um, she's a young teen in 1914, but she's a psychic. And she, her, her ability to connect with ghosts sort of drags her out of her own time and into other times. So sometimes it's close to the present. Sometimes it's once in one of the books, she's on the bo on board the Titanic and um, <laughs> this will not end well. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so those, that's a great series of books, really funny and really ghosty and creepy. My favorite parts of some spooky TV shows is like when the main protagonist they meet a ghost or like some kind of figure and it, they get sent to the past or their or their past or their future. So those are probably going to really, they're right on my alley. So I'm yeah, I think you will. Yes. Sorry to interrupt. I think they will really appeal to you. And, and they're also very funny They're which is a bonus for me in a creepy book that it's, that it's humorous as well. So definitely too much creepy. And no humor, that's just downright creepy. That's like an adult <laughs> novel. I'm not an adult yet. I don't want to be an adult. Yeah, why bother? Yeah. <laughs> Add some silliness. That always makes them so much better. And yes. 
speaking of characters and all that, you could be or meet any literary character, fictional or real, who would it be and why? This is another question that has so many answers. I could answer in, you know, one of 20 ways, but I think I'm going to choose a little girl named Martha and her, this book was one of my very big favorites. It's not me, but okay. the character's name is Martha and she's the youngest in a family of four in a book called Half Magic. And that book is by Edward Eager and I loved his books when I was your age and I really liked Martha. The thing about half magic is the kids find a coin on the street and it's a weird old coin and they accidentally find out that it's magic and then they even more accidentally find out that it's not, you don't just wish for something and get it. You only get half of what you wish for. Oh. So you have to kind of train yourself to wish for twice as much as you as you want so that you get exactly what you want. And that works with quantity, but it doesn't work with a few other things like they wish to go to end up on a desert island and they get to the desert, but oh, it's not an island. <laughs> so think so it's they have it's a series of adventures. And I just really liked Martha because she had a great name and and I love the books. So that's my recommendation. And that's my that's who I would like to be in a book. Round of applause for Martha Jocelyn. And a she, round of applause for E-Train Talks. Oh, thank Yay, you so much. we're a good team. Yes, we are. Teamwork makes the dream work. And also, reading makes the, makes the world go round. And you certainly need to read all of Martha's books, everybody. And I'm so glad I attended your book talk on Aggie Morton, Mystery Queen, The Body and the Piano. Almost a year ago, Martha. And I have, I'm so glad I have the honor of knowing you. Being a part of Book Club and the Canadian writing community has been amazing. And I know one place I need to visit in Canada. Where you live. Which I, are you in Toronto? Or? I'm in Stratford, Ontario. Okay, I don't know Canadian. I don't know Canada very well. Maybe no, I but I'm about two hours from Toronto. Oh, yeah, that's what I remembered. Okay. And everybody, you know, perfect time to read Martha's books on hashtag I read Canadian day, everybody. Yes. That is the perfect time to get your hands on a copy of any of Martha's books because A, she's a Canadian author, B, she's an amazing writer, and C, I mean, it doesn't matter when you read the books, but I mean, you get, that's an extra reason to read them. Everybody. Filled with historical data and dialogue, Martha's Aggie Morton Mystery Queen series is an incredible, world-changing work of literature. Not to mention the perfect middle-grade mystery read. If you've not read Aggie Morton stories, it's definitely time you did. You won't regret it, everyone. And guess what? You can follow Martha's writing journey on her website at MarthaJocelyn.com as well as on Twitter and Instagram, as well as on BookFlap. That's it for today, everyone. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay safe, keep reading, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye, chaps.